Previously on the Division Three's Finest Podcast. Taysom Hill, I'm telling you guys right now, will be a great NFL quarterback if he steps in in New Orleans. Next Peyton Manning, Taysom Hill. No. From what I understand, you've moved on to the uh, personal training game. Uh, so, like, what are the best kind of steroids that I could get? That's a good question, man. <laughs> uh, you took Sprite Cranberry you took, over. You took Mr. Pib over Dr. Pepper. I'd rather drink my own piss than cranberries. <laughs> <laughs> I don't fear the mellow ball at all, and then, uh, like, those guys, they're always, they're like, they're half asleep all the time. I think what Shub yeah. is I try and ask is, do you, do you not have dragons? Ricky! <laughs> yeah, and they invited 69 guys to the ring I feel like really good. I, I know. <laughs> this, is, this is the most energetic I've seen you all day, honestly. So, Maya, what do you do now? Yeah, I, I work. Uh, professional now, big uh, professional guy. Episode fifty-two of the Division Three's Finest Podcast coming up next. What's up, guys? Episode fifty-two of the Division Three's Finest Podcast. Gil, uh, before we get to our interview with Kevin Ritz, uh, would you like to do the honors of introducing our other guest, real quick? Yes, of course. This is my biggest uh, honor of the day, actually. Uh, I look for or a week, I should say. I look forward to this every week. Right. Um, reoccurring guest, friend of the show, um, blessing us again with his time. Uh, busy guy, Very getting busy. coffee back and forth for a shout out, friend of the program, Coach Calhoun. Huge shout out, Jacob Schubert. How are we doing? <clears throat> it's actually iced coffee. Oh, iced coffee. Well, okay, right, but coffee Good wasn't wrong. Right. Yes. Yeah. Uh, all, right. all right. Hey man, thanks for coming. Yeah, we we always appreciate your time. It's great to yeah, see your face. Yeah. We know it's tough. <laughs> All right, so uh, before we get to the interview with Kevin Ritz, who has a Wikipedia page, no big deal. That's just, you know, casual. But uh, so we have three games, Hot Ones picks, week 12. The internet. Uh, it is the internet. So three games. Uh, first game is Seahawks at the Philadelphia Eagles. The line is 1.5 for Philadelphia. So who wants to start here? 1.5 for the Eagles? Yes, sir. They are at home. But, uh, yeah, a little suspect. <laughs> I'm taking the Seahawks, personally. Um, I think, I don't know, I think the Seahawks are one of the best teams in the league. I think Russell Wilson's balling out. I don't know if the Eagles are that good all around. Uh, I know at home is a little bit of an advantage, but they still, like, I mean, they even lost by um, by a touchdown, you know, to New England. So, I don't know. I like the Seahawks right now over the Eagles just because I just think the Seahawks are all around a better team and that is a low spread, so I'm taking the Seahawks. Yeah, I'm, I'm going with Seahawks as well. I, I was kind of leading Eagles, but just looking over the Eagles' schedule, they're just, they're just not very good. They're just not that great of a football team. So, uh, you know, Russell Wilson's really on point this season, so uh, I'm going to go with Seattle here. Yeah, this is – it's tough because I have so many friends that are Eagles fans. Yeah, and shout out Justin. I've gone against friend of the program. two times – Two times in two weeks, and I just want you to know, Justin, that I am sorry. But then First also, like, the, the Eagles, they, they, they also the Patriots. The, the Eagles play the Patriots kind of tough for the, for the most part. Casually tough, uh, yeah. Casually. Yeah. But uh, the past, past rush for the Seahawks is nasty with Jamie and Clowney. And then Friendship. Russell Wilson is a dog, so I have to get the Seahawks. All right, fair uh, enough. So uh, next game well, we have. Hopefully we all don't look silly. Yeah. Uh, 
come next show. For sure. Yeah. And so next game we got is the Jacksonville Jaguars Duval at Tennessee. Uh, the Titans are favored by three points here. Uh, yeah, I'll start. This. So you got yeah. it. Yeah, I'll start this. No, go yeah. ahead. This is painful for me. All right, so I'm yeah, gonna go, go with uh, I'm gonna go with Tennessee here. So I don't like the way that Foles looked like last week. You know, Jags. This team kind of had some swagger with Minshew and with Foles back. I think um, you know ultimately he's probably the right play, but it's just gonna take him a couple weeks to you know get used to being back out there. And the Titans are low key rolling. You know, Tannehill's three and one as a starter, and they beat teams like Kansas City and the Chargers. So uh, I'm gonna go with Tennessee here. Can I can I make a deal with my co-hosts? Uh, can, sure. I t- can I take the Titans unless Minshew plays at all? No. So like, I because can't, I can't put money down if Minshew plays. Like I can't put money down conditionally like that. So you can't right. do that hypothetically either. All right. Well, I'll just go with the Titans. It pains me to go against my guy Gardner Minshew, but he's not I playing do. anymore. You've come so. to Jesus. I want. I do want to know that I've never. I was never on that. I was never there. But it's also painful betting against Tannehill. Betting with Tannehill. As you're yeah, playing. you don't like to do that. Not if many people are not rich like that. If it wasn't for the Jags being so bad with the run game and Derrick Henry just being a dog, I'd probably go Jags. But, you know, they suck at guarding the run. So give me the Titans and Derrick Henry. Don't mm-hmm. let Tannehill throw. That's how you win the game. Right. Good analysis there. Thank you. I think, I don't know. So, you guys are convincing, but I personally, Ben, you kind of touched on it. I think you, but you gave it a little more time, I think, than I think it'll take. I'm going to take Jags. Okay. Because I think this is, I think Nick Foles may have worked out the kinks. I think he'll be back. I think the Titans, they have been rolling, but I still don't think, there's a difference between being hot and being good. Okay. Um, I don't think they're bad, but maybe Tannehill maybe comes down to earth. Yeah. Foles picks it up, so I could see the Jags winning this game. So, right. And in the sake of possibly winning these picks, I'm, I have to go different. So yeah, I'm taking fair. the Jags. All right. And then our last game we have is the Green Bay Packers at San Francisco. 49ers Niners are favored by three points here. Super, why, why don't you go ahead, bro? Are you sure? You just cut yeah. me off. No, no. I, I didn't cut you off at first. Give me my guy, Jimmy G-Spot Garoppolo in the Niners. G-Spot. He's going to find a G-Spot this week. Not because of his his play, because the rest of the team's good. That's it. Okay. Good analysis. Niners, is, that, is that all you Niners got? Niners at home, yeah? Yeah, Niners are at home. Okay. Ben, you, would you like me to? Yeah, all you, bro. I don't like to do it, but I'm going to take the 49ers kind of along the same lines as the Seahawks. I just think right now the 49ers are a better team. Um, I mean, obviously Aaron Rodgers is going to be the best, you know, arguably, I, you know, the best player on that field. But yeah. for the Packers to really, I don't know, it feels like whenever they've, you know, gone on little runs or won games, it's come off of, you know, great Aaron Rodgers game or great, like, individual performances. So they've kind of been in a rough slide-ish. Uh, and I don't know. I like the 49ers. I think they're solid. So I'm taking them. All right. Uh, I don't love this, but, again, Shub and I have the exact same picks every game. Uh, I'm taking the 49ers as well. 
Uh, I don't love the pick. I feel like I'm kind of picking against my gut. It feels like every week I see the I 49ers see, yeah, are playing that. a tough opponent, and I'm like, okay, this is the game where the 49ers you know, let you down, and they just keep winning. So I think the thing that makes them so good is they have so many different ways they can win. You know, They have an awesome defense, awesome run game. Jimmy G has his moments, G- Jimmy uh, G. Spock Garoppolo. And if you look at the Packers, like they played like their schedule's been pretty easy. So I think you know their record's a little better than the actual team. So uh, yeah. I'm gonna go with the 49ers here. Unfortunately, uh, Shub and I have the exact same picks, so that's so tough. So we live and die with Nick Foles. Yep, it's right. gonna come down that game. We live and die with Nick Foles. Well, you guys, here, how's that? So how do you feel now <laughs> if I say this to you? I live and die with Nick Foles. You live and die with Ryan Tannehill. How does that make you feel now, looking back at your pick? It doesn't uh, feel I'm great, but, but we're in Tennessee. I'm living and dying with Derrick Henry. That sounds no. better. Sounds better. I don't like that. I don't like <laughs> that. Sounds better. a lot better. All right, uh, Ben. What? Ben, what did you say? I said that sounds a lot better. Uh, living with uh, Derrick Henry than uh, riding and riding and dying with uh, Tannehill. I feel like I should be able to say living with Fournette. Would make me feel better, but I'm gonna stick with Foles, honestly. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> so we'll see. That's fair. All right, we will see. So Hot Ones picks week twelve, and next we have an interview with uh, Kevin Ritz. Hope you guys enjoy. Shout out, BD Nick, friend of the program. A few moments later. Now joining us on the podcast, future recurring guest of the show. He's a family friend of Jacob Schubert, but more importantly, he's a former MLB starring pitcher, pitching the bigs for nine years with the Detroit Tigers and Colorado Rockies. Uh, went to head-to-head against guys like Greg Maddox in playoff games, you know, casually, no big deal. And his uh, career year came in 1996 when he went 17-11 uh, and, and almost made the All-Star game. So he's also our first guest ever on the show that has a Wikipedia page. So we're moving up on the, in the podcast world. Kevin Ritz, how's it going? And do you mind giving us a quick introduction to all the guests that might not know you? Yeah, uh, my name's Kevin Ritz. I live in Cambridge, Ohio. Uh, Shout out. And like you said, I played played for Detroit and Colorado, um, you know, nine years in the big leagues, uh, almost 14 years total and with, uh, with the big leagues and the minor leagues. And, uh, you know, not, not all of it was, uh, you know, roses. I mean, I've had some, had some right. down times. I've had three surgeries and, uh, so yeah, it's been a long journey. Uh, yeah. So, uh, our first big time question, our big time journalist question we have for you is, you know, the theme of our podcast name, Division Three's Finest, kind of revolves around us being, you know, former elite D3 athletes. And just Emphasis playing, on elite. <laughs> and just playing for the, you know, the, the love of the game of baseball rather than trying to play at the professional level. Now, you're right. beyond that. You played in the bigs for nine years with, you know, several standout seasons in Colorado. But real quick, just talk about your passion for baseball and, like, what steered you towards baseball that ultimately, you know, made you want to pursue it at the highest level. Well, it was just, you know, it's like every little kid's dream in Little League, you always want, you know, that's what you want to do is play Major League Baseball. Right. So, you know, just kind of kind of had that in my mind and, uh, you know, was one of those kids that threw harder than everybody else in Little League. So kind of helped, you know, move that passion along. Um, you know, just kept playing. Just played, you know, Babe Ruth, high school, college ball. So, you know, just always loved the game. Yeah, so uh, like you mentioned, uh, growing up, you kind of had this natural ability with baseball, uh, and that led into high school, uh, where again, uh, we read your high school baseball coach took you to the 
police department to test out how hard you were throwing. Uh, there's got to be some kind of backstory behind that. Um, like, was this planned, or was it like, a, you know, hey, one day just uh, why don't we take a trip to the police department after practice? Well, it wasn't. It wasn't a trip to the police department. They, uh, I was pitching in a game, and they brought yeah, the, the a, a police car out there and sat behind home plate and, and <laughs> you know brought their radar out. That's almost cool. Gotcha. So the internet lied. Who, who would have figured? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. You, you never know. I mean, it, I mean that's that's the way I remember it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. They well, come that makes out the a lot of sense to me, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, is that was that like a one-time thing, or did you kind of notice, you know, as you as you kind of made a name for yourself, just kind of more and more people, you know, paying attention to stuff like that? Well, not really. I mean, I just kind of, uh, you know, I was throwing 86 miles an hour in high school, which is, you know, that's pretty hard for a high school kid. Mm-hmm. And, you know, getting people out and striking people out, and, you know, that's just what kind of got, got me noticed. But, yeah, that, I mean, they, our juniors and seniors were, our class was really good in in all the sports. So, okay. you know, the, the town was just, you know, they followed you everywhere. So, right. you know, that was you know, it's good, good community support and everything. Right. All right. Uh, let's transition real quick from you know, high school to college. So you played your first year of college ball at William Penn and, you know, we read you weren't too pleased with the situation. You know, the coaching wasn't great and they actually had you playing JV a little bit. And, but after the year you actually got drafted by the San Francisco Giants in the fourth round and, you know, uh, you didn't end up going, but we're just wondering as former like JV players ourselves, like how on earth did you get drafted after playing JV baseball in college? Well, I think it was it was not it was not there that I got drafted. It was uh, I ended up transferring out of William Penn um, and went to a junior college, and that's when I got drafted by the Giants. Was like the it's called a supplementary guy after I can't remember which one it was, but they had two drafts a year, and now I think they only have the one. Yeah. <laughs> so so I played college ball at Indian Hills Community College and. That's where I got drafted by the Giants, and then I turned them down. I was going to go to UNLV to finish out my two years of college ball, and then that's when I got drafted by the Tigers, and and then I decided to sign with them. Yeah, I think I'd make that decision as well. I think that's the easy choice there. Yeah, definitely. So, like you just said, you know, you talked about getting drafted by the Tigers in the fourth round. Like you said, you were contemplating transferring to like UNLV, and also we read like Georgia or Oklahoma. Uh, but you ended up going pro instead. What was like the process of making that decision? And looking back on it, do you kind of wish you stayed in college or and get more experience, or you have you turned pro early? Well, I wasn't really a top-notch student, so it was just one of those things where I was just, you know, I didn't really want to continue my college career. So you know, it was just they offered me a pretty good, decent signing bonus, and you know, I came from. We weren't very rich. We, weren't, we didn't have much money, so you know they offered me a pretty good size signing bonus. So it was, it was kind of an easy decision. Yeah, I could definitely see that, especially you know given the circumstances, <laughs> like you yeah, said. Kind of, um, I kind of feel you go to college and you you know you go to a four year college and you're pitching. I mean you're throwing you know a thousand some pitches. Yeah. The sooner you get into the pro ball, the sooner you get into pro ball, the better. You know. Right. I hear you. That's a good point. I don't think I don't think a lot of people take that into account. But uh, you hear kind of the same talk with uh, you know running backs or, or people with maybe shorter 
uh, in other sports. So that that is an interesting um, interesting take on it for sure. Um, so like right. we obviously just got done talking about you getting drafted, so we can move on uh, to the minor leagues. Uh, couldn't find too many stories on your experience in the minors, but um, something we all kind of dream of as baseball players is, you know, getting that phone call one day that, you know, you're being called up to the big leagues. Um, so obviously no iPhones back in your day, so it was probably a little different, but what was, uh, you know, what was that day like finding out you're moving on to the next level? Um, and based on your experience, uh, what would you say is the biggest difference between the minors and the major league level? Well, you know, the paychecks are a little different, um, but yeah, <laughs> it, was, it was kind of, uh, I got moved up, I got moved up pretty quick. I, I got up, uh, I played three, two and a half years in the minor leagues and then got called up. So I got moved up pretty quick and, uh, you know, just, it was, I was sound asleep one morning and the phone rings and, you know, I, I kind of had an idea. I mean, you, you have an idea that, right. you know, there's a chance could get called up on the radar yeah so, yeah so you know with baseball you're 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 playing late at night and then you know you sleep until 10 11 12 o'clock mm-hmm. and then go back to the ballpark and you right. kind of repeat so it was like it was like 10 10 30 i was sleeping and and got the phone call and uh you know it's just one of those things you just can't believe it right so yeah, I can't imagine, honestly. And, and like you said, that's something uh, you know other guys have talked about, just like the grind of, of turning it really into a full-time job. Uh, we had another guy on who said that was playing, moving up to that 100, and I don't even think they got to the whole 162, but uh, still just how much of like a, a grind that was on your body. Well, and, and you know, in the minor leagues, you don't make that much money. So, you know, you're you're playing the season, then you gotta go home and find a, a job during the during the winter. So, mm, that's right. you know, it's not all glory in the minor leagues, that's for sure. Yeah, I've actually seen that kind of floating around on uh, some social media. Just uh, minor league guys kind of coming out and and talking about how much they make. And and we, there's a minor league team in Columbus, and there's stories in the paper sometimes about how they. Uh, that's a Triple A team too, so maybe not as. Uh, not as severe there, but yeah, guys having to get jobs in the off season and stuff. It's crazy. Yeah. I, when I when I first came when I first came in to minor league ball, I was making seven hundred dollars a month. Wow. So you oh, know that's that's rough. Yeah. yeah, a month. So that's not that's not very much. So no. you, you know you had to no. you had to find five or six guys to room together, and, and you lived off lived off peanut butter and jelly, and <laughs> you know it just it's crazy how 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 rough it is. Right. Yeah. Not optimal. So, you know, thankfully you got that call up in the middle of the season and your first year of the Tigers, not the you know, greatest pitching statistics of overall. Um, you had a nice start to your career and you actually received the Tigers Rookie of the Year award. So it uh, looked like a promising start for you, but next couple of years you kind of struggled with a combination of injuries and control issues. And uh, we read it seemed more like kind of like a mental block than mechanical issues, but you know, was it a combination of both? And ultimately, how, how were you able to overcome that tough period of your career? Well, it was it was it was just like a you know Steve Sachs syndrome. You know, he couldn't throw to first. It was just a it was just a mental thing that you got. You know, you felt pressure that you had to do well. Uh, you know, the first year I came up and I was just you know there was no pressure on me because I was a rookie. You know, so. But the next year, I came back to spring training, made the team, and 
you know, just control issues, you know, just metal block. So I battled that for like two and a half years, two years or so, and then just kind of finally, you know, worked my way out of it, got my confidence back, and then I got traded to, uh, or I was in the expansion draft for the Rockies. Now, just following up on that, you know, this isn't an uncommon situation. You know, pitchers have control problems all the time, and so some extreme, extreme situations, they get the yips. But, you know, maybe some of your more wild pitching appearances you had, what were your teammates and coaches saying to you? Were they putting your arm around, like putting their arm around you and trying to like get you get your confidence back, or were they kind of staying out of your way as if you had a cold and the wildest wildness was like somehow contagious <laughs> to everyone else? Yeah, well, I, there was there were certain people that were like that, but most of them were were very supportive. You know, they you know they knew that I wasn't doing it on purpose, and you know it ended up just kind of working its way out. You know. Um, and it was just kind of one of those things where I would go down to AAA and I'd pitch well and come back up and I couldn't throw a strike. So it was just it was just one of those things where you just had some nerves and stuff like that at the big league level. Right. And just quick follow-up on so, Sorry. You know, we kind of already touched on how you, um, you know, uh, overcame some control problems once you moved to Colorado. Um, do you think, like, part of that had to do with the change of scenery, uh, you know, playing a part in your kind of bounce back uh, mentally? And uh, you'd think it'd be a lot tougher pitching in Colorado, obviously with the altitude, balls kind of going all over the park. Um, so I guess what changed, like, did anything change really in either from a mental standpoint or just, you know, maybe getting like a fresh start? Um, and like, what was the transition process like with that? Yeah, well, my last year in Detroit, I got, I, I, about halfway through the season, my elbow hurt my elbow. So I wasn't, wasn't pitching. And then Colorado took me in the expansion draft. So I went to spring training with them, and I was pitching in spring training with a torn elbow. So Colorado tried to send me down. We went to Cleveland as a free agent, and they found out that I had, a, uh, had to have Tommy John surgery. So we went back with Colorado because they were my last team that I was with, and they had to put me back on the 40-man roster and pay me for that whole year, plus uh, pay for my surgery. Hmm. So they they let me go home for the whole summer or the whole summer and rehab and be with my family. And I think that kind of got my priorities straight. You know, with yeah. my family. You know, it used to be baseball first and all that stuff. So it was just kind of a nice relaxing summer. To get, and I think that kind of changed changed my outlook on baseball. You know, mm-hmm. kind of like the reset. So that, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, exactly, and I and I, you know, I took the whole year off. It was it was a nine ten month process, and came back in spring training in AAA the next year, and uh, pitched really well. I mean, it was just one of those confidence builders. You know, I just started out well and mm-hmm. continued to pitch well. And uh, more specifically, your uh, 1996 season was your best year in the pros, going uh, 17 and 11. And the year before that, the Rockies actually made the playoffs for the first time in franchise history. And you start game one against Greg Maddox. So that must have, must have been pretty cool. Do you have maybe one or two good stories regarding some of your better years in Colorado? And was there an like, extra sense of vindication after you had all the success, after you know struggling a while in Detroit? Well, um, you know, that just starting the first game of playoff history for, for the Rockies was huge. 
Right. Um, you know, it was just one of those moments that's, you know, I pitched well all year, confidence was there, you know, and plus I got, you know, a little bit of run support. So, yeah. you know, you expected that going into Colorado. I mean, you're going to get run support, you're going to give up runs. Right. So, you know, it was just, it was just a dream season, and uh, you know, I think we, the, uh, we were winning five to three, something like that, or, and our closer came in and gave up two runs, and we ended mm-hmm. up losing it. So we were ahead the first two games at home, and the same situation in the ninth inning, we lost it in the ninth inning, yeah. the first two games. That's tough. So you know, it could have went different if you know if we win those two games, could have been a whole, whole different uh, oh, outlook yeah. in life. Definitely. Yeah, so and then it turns out, according to baseball reference in 1996, it wasn't just a good pitching year for you, but you also had your only career home run that year as well. Uh, talk about that. Talk about that. And, you know, we're very curious. We're big supporters of pitchers wearing jackets, running around the bases, big fan. And is that something you incorporated into your game? And were you wearing a jacket during that home run? Oh, no, because you, you had to, you had, I mean, you, you had to run right out. Yeah, you couldn't you couldn't go to bat with a jacket on, but uh, yeah, it was it was a high fastball. It was a about eye high, and I just took a wild swing, and <laughs> I mean the ball just jumped off my bat. Yeah. Pink center field in Pittsburgh, uh, Three River Stadium, mm, Pittsburgh, and right. I ran around the bases so fast because I didn't know what to do. So <laughs> That's my next I, I think I made it around there in like three seconds. You know, <laughs> just on cloud nine. There you go. Yeah, that was going to be my next question is, did you get a nice little home run trot in? Oh, uh, uh, well, I, I would say it was a speed trot. You, yeah, you showed off the speed. That's what you, yeah. you're just showing. Yeah. You're, yeah. you're not there. That's actually... Um, but that was my 10th that uh, win before the All-Star break. Mm. And, That's big. Uh, so I was kind of hoping that I'd make the All-Star team, but I didn't. But Yeah. Slighted. I think that was because of my ERA was a little higher than everybody else's, but right. you know I was I, I think I was like first or set or tied for first or second second place with wins yeah. before the All Star. So hey, that's what it comes down to yeah. at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, So last question uh, we have before getting into rapid fire. Uh, this might be tough off the top of your head, but I'm sure whenever meeting new people uh, and they find out that you played professional baseball, uh, they kind of ask you what the experience was like. So in that context, you got to have some kind of go-to story just out of habit. Um, so what's your go-to story whenever you're talking to people uh, about your best or funniest moments uh, in the MLB? Oh, jeez. I don't know. There's so many of them, but, uh, <laughs> but you know, I guess just, you know, that Everybody wants to know what it's like and all that stuff. And, you know, I think the only, you know, whether I miss it or not, you know, it's, you know, I miss the paychecks. I miss being around, the, you know, the, the teammates and all that stuff. But the uh, travel, all that other stuff is just, it's, it wears on. But, yeah, yeah the, you know, the, the team team spirit and all that stuff, being, being with your buddies and all that, that's kind of, it's kind of like, you know, pretty cool stuff. I agree with that. If I had to pick one thing, that's the biggest thing you miss. I think everyone kind of says that, you know. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, like I said, I've I've had a few things that, you know, I won 17 games, uh, hit a home run. Oh yeah. I got, uh, Big time. I got two stolen bases, stole home. Oh. Stole home. Uh, we'll talk about yeah. what was that like. Did you do that on your own? Well, it, it was a double steal, but okay. still considered a 
Yeah, 100%. Out here. But, you know, that's, that's so impressive. So, right. so that's awesome. Not a lot of people can say that. No, no. no. Definitely not. Well, okay, well, we're going we're gonna to move into rapid-fire questions. So, basically, it's I'm going to ask you six questions, and then you're just going to give me, like, what your first response, the, the thing that comes off, like, at the top of your head. Um, so the first question we get into is, uh, did you have any weird pregame superstitions growing up or playing in the pros? Uh, just kind of just doing the same thing over over and over, you know, like uh, just doing the same ritual, stepping on the mound the same same time every time, you know, just doing everything the same. Okay. Did any of your teammates have any weird superstitions? Oh, uh, yeah, they all had weird superstitions. I mean, it's wearing the same jock, wearing the same socks, you know. There was, was, was a lot of superstitions. Yeah. All right. Uh, what's your what's your least favorite part about baseball? I think the being away from family, uh, you know, you're going on a long road trip, be gone for two weeks, you know, you come home for three days, and then you're on the road again. So it's kind of a just being away from family. Okay. Uh, did you have anybody's number in the pros that maybe you wouldn't expect, like an all-star or a big name that dominated everybody else, but for whatever reason you were just able to shut him down? Well, Barry Bonds never hit a home run off me, but <laughs> Sammy Sosa, Sammy Sosa's got my number though. But <laughs> yeah, like Barry, Barry Bonds, Mark McGuire, I don't think I ever hit a home run. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, how much did you study hitters during the season to prepare for outings? Well, you always had a uh, you always had meetings before each each home stand. So you just go in and have a big meeting with uh, you know all the all the coaches and the catchers and all the pitchers that get together. So every every home stand you went in and went over the uh, over the hitters. All right, who's the best player you ever played with or against? Well, I would say Larry Walker was probably one of the best players, all around players. Um, you know, he did it all. And then, uh, you know, Don Mattingly, some of those guys, Wade Boggs, I mean, they were all very intimidating hitters. Yeah, definitely. Um, now, according to Baseball Reference, you earned over $10 million in your career. So, you know, you're pretty sad moving forward in life. But is there a 5% of you that's pissed you didn't play in the era where there's so much, mo- so much more money in the game and guys like Bryce Harper, you know, they're earning $400 million to hit 200, or not 200, t- 240 in the season? Yeah, that's crazy. It's just like, uh, you know, when I came to the big leagues, our, the minimum was 60, 67.9 or something like that. Now your your first-year player is making $600,000. I mean, it's just crazy. Yeah. The amount of money they spend. Yeah, that's nuts. And then, so, the final question I have for you is, do you think the baseballs nowadays are juiced, especially in the pros? Jeez, I don't know. I don't know if there's a way that they can, you know, that they can do that. Um, I don't know. I, I, I couldn't give you that answer, but it uh, seems like there's more, there's more home runs nowadays than there used to be, but, you know, guys are throwing harder. You know, they always say that the harder you throw, the further it goes. So True. Very true. I just have a quick question about playing in, you know, Colorado. So, like, how significant is that difference, like, in the air? Do you just, you know, feel it right away, right into the stadium? And, you know, did you prefer playing in road games, or were you comfortable in that atmosphere for whatever reason? Well, I think I think for me it was one of those things where, I, you know, I was, had success there early, 
mm-hmm. as well. So, you know, those kind of things didn't bother me. Um, and I kept the ball down. I, I had, you know, I threw a hard sinker. Uh, mm-hmm. So I think that kind of helped. Um, but, you know, you, you, it's definitely hard to breathe out there, you know, after you get get your adrenaline going. But, Steel now. you know, it's just one of those things that you think you're going to get. If you're not going to pitch well, you're not going to pitch well, you know. Yeah. Uh, I guess last question for me. I don't know if any of you guys have other questions, but you know, are you still involved with baseball somehow? Or, I mean, we read online that uh, you you have like some kind of foundation. Uh, I don't know if that's still ongoing, but do you want to talk about that a little bit? Uh, well, we just kind of just use that just for uh, you know little fundraisers here, you know, donations and stuff like that. It's not it's not a very big foundation. It's just okay. We just put the money into it so we can you know donate to charities and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. All right. That's impressive. Yeah. <laughs> you guys got anything else, sir? No. no, man, we hit on a lot. You got a lot of good stories. Okay. I mean, appreciate you coming on. Yeah, for real. Thanks hey. for coming on. Hey, no very, problem. Very interesting. Hopefully, uh, hopefully, hopefully your ratings go up. Oh, yeah. yeah I hope so. Oh, for sure. No, they can't go down, so hey, <laughs> no worries. I don't know what it is. Do they have followers, or do you have, like, followers or something like that? I don't like, like on Facebook oh, yeah. to get so many followers. Uh, yeah, we got we, we got a couple. We, we got Twitter, um, Instagram, and you know on on the podcast uh, Apple Podcasts too. People, some people, uh, you know, subscribe to our podcast. So all kind of the same thing. Oh, yeah. Well, that's how you get started, man. Hey, yeah. That's all we can do, right? Brick by brick. Sorry, that's uh, why I brought you on. Trying to drum up uh, some, some interest there, huh? Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. The the Wikipedia page is big. Yeah. Appreciate you coming on for real, taking the time. Hey, no problem at all. Yeah, it's K Weezy and we back. The rise to the throne. Envy. Yeah. Ben Franklin's. Ben Franklin's. I got so much money, it's like I own a money tree All these people phonies just wanna be like me Your baddest girl be all on my D The stuff you pay for for me, it's free Because I got Ben Franklin's, I got Ben Franklin's No need for hatin', I'm not a doctor, I ain't got patience All I got is papers and a lot of haters Shout out to my home dog, they all got prayers